Seinfeld, the doodle is over and has been for quite some time. But we're just getting started on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who just split a case of Mackinac peaches. I am Rob Sister. He's Keith Winokur. Keith, how are you? How's it going? Uh, very good. Very good, Keith. Ready to go. Oh, these Mackinac peaches are delicious. They just, just came in. I think they're in. fake. I don't think, I don't think they exist. <laughs> oh, there's no such thing as the Mackinac peach? I think when we get to the uh, the reader mail, I think uh, someone did a uh, study and it, it doesn't exist. A scam? <laughs> yeah. Why would Seinfeld be telling us about a fake peach? I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they couldn't just use the real peach, but uh, they didn't. All right. So here we are. We're going to talk about the doodle from April 6th, 1995. And for me, of the episodes after a certain point, I feel like that I've seen them all all many times but this was an episode for me the doodle that i either blocked out of most of my mind like i sort of had i knew i saw it at least the time it was on but i don't feel like that this is one i saw in repeats many times at all uh yeah i don't i don't think there's anything like super offensive in here that they don't repeat it so that's probably just a fluke everyone has an episode like that i have one uh next week where uh, in the fusilla jerry where i didn't see it for a long time um I, you know, there aren't a ton of classic moments that you'd see in sort of a clip show or like a meme or, or a YouTube clip. But, uh, um, you know, there's also nothing uh, that's uh, that's too terrible in it either. Right. A lot of stuff going on. Jerry's going to ultimately get his house fumigated after he has a woman that he's dating that he's grossed out by uh, over some hygiene issues. And she's sort of offended by Jerry's hygiene practices a bit. We also have Elaine is trying to get a new job and needs uh, to read a manuscript. Kramer ends up uh, losing his ability to taste because he goes in Jerry's apartment when it's being fumigated. And, uh, and George ends up dating a woman who looks are not that important to her. So uh, we get some comedy out of that. And all the Seinfelds show up and make an appearance along the way. And Newman has fleas. We should all get a woman who doesn't care about looks. <laughs> They're not that important to her. She really doesn't care. I do. I do like the uh, the sitcommy. Like uh, you know, I'll say that, but I don't. You know, I I don't realize I'm hurting your feelings when I say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing that happens here. So uh, a lot to talk about as we unpack the doodle. Akiva, do you have any news to talk about this week? Um, sure. So last week we discussed the Jimmy, and uh, you know, Jimmy was trying to pedal these shoes that make you. Uh, you know, basically be able to dunk. And and a lot of people did write in. People wrote in and said that they're going to try and teach themselves to dunk. People gave you advice to uh, teach yourself to dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chester said there's no way you could be able to dunk because Kobe Bryant's in the NBA and he can't even dunk anymore. So why would Rob be able to dunk? He's like, and he's, you know. <laughs> How dare you? 6'6". Six, six, yeah. Or 6'8 or something. Um, uh, and, then, and then Chester also bragged that he can uh that he was able to dunk in high school with like a tennis ball or a volleyball or something. <laughs> um, so, but, but anyway, so Sean Falconer, our, our intrepid researcher did some research into these, uh, plyometric shoes that Jimmy yes. was, was trying to sell. And, uh, he, you know, he wanted to see if they work cause they do sell them. You could buy them on footlocker.com, uh, not a sponsor, but you could, no. uh, you know, he wanted to see if it's worthwhile cause Sean wants to learn how to dunk and he wants us to be able to dunk. <laughs> so he writes in and he says, Hey guys, Sean remembers plyometric shoes from when Sean was a kid. Sean wanted to jump higher. Sean actually saw an older man in his neighborhood wearing them on a walk recently. Strength <laughs> Shoes Incorporated is a company that's been making these shoes for the last 30 years. Claims you can achieve 0.2 second uh, improvement on your 40-yard dash. 
nine inches on your vertical jump, and a two-inch gain in calf girth Whoa. after eight to ten weeks with the shoes. Yeah, Two-inch uh, girth gain is huge. Yes, yeah, for just from the shoes. The bigger the shoes, the more the girth gain from yes. the calf. Yes, yes. Uh, I took a look, and I found he found three published studies from 93 and 97 on the effect of plyometric shoes for gains in sprinting, jumping, and calf a girth. Uh, so he goes over their, their studies. I'm not going to uh, go study by study. But he says this study wasn't peer-reviewed, and it's not even a full paper. It's only a published abstract. We're gonna, I'm just going to pretend I know exactly what Sean is saying. All of the reference evidence of that shoe actually works, works from the manufacturer. Is, uh, it's not peer-reviewed sources. like it's, uh, it's from student theses or studies by coaches. Based on what he found, you're form, far more likely to get injured than dunk a basketball while using these shoes. If Jimmy can, can jump high, it's most likely his natural ability and not the result of wearing these shoes. Sorry, George. It's a scam. The scam. Cancel the order. Yeah, so don't go out and buy the Cancel plastic. the order. Yes. But, I mean, if, but I still want a fan to be a, a listener to, uh, you know, be inspired and try and dunk. But it, I, so I did a lot of research this week on like because I've read stories on, you know, I'm just a simple, you know, suburban dad. And I figured out how to dunk in my 40s. But every story's like I'm just six four, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have a big head start. If you're over, if you're over six one, you shouldn't count in these stories. Okay, so you feel like what I need to do if you say that I still can dunk if I spend every day, five days a week, the entire summer, and at the end of the summer, then I can dunk. Then I can come out with a line of Rob shoes. Like, look at this guy. He doesn't look like he'd be able to dunk at all. Yet he does. So we should buy these shoes. Yeah, but not the plyometrics. Are you going to make your own shoes? Like, how are you going to know which shoes to wear for the dunk? Hmm. That we'll figure out. We got to get sort of in bed with a designer. Or you could on just wear stuff. like Nikes, and then when you learn how to dunk, like send the video to Nike and maybe get them as a sponsor. Right, like viral marketing ad. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we'll see what's going on there. A- anything else before we start talking about the doodle? No, I think that's it. Okay, so. Here we are. We start off with Jerry talking about exterminators, and he says that exterminators can't actually kill the bugs. The best they could do is chase them into somebody else's house. They just get relocated. They're like bug realtors. Is that the case, Akiva? I never really thought of it that way. I don't. I, I didn't think so. Like I, I, I you know, I, when I lived in Washington Heights, there was always roaches, or you know, one time there was even uh, mice and. I never really thought of like you have the exterminator come. I never really thought if he's just sending them to the next apartment over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of an interesting take. Another thing he brings up in the stand-up that I found interesting is he's talking about how like even you know the biggest animal rights organizations and he doesn't use it by name, but let's say PETA, mm-hmm. right? Like even there, like they'll be in a meeting talking about boycotting you know SeaWorld or some company, and if a bug flies in their face, they'll slap it and kill it. And it did get me thinking. Are, is PETA pro bugs, or are they, or do they also kill bugs? I think that they don't talk about it. They don't care about bugs because they're not cute. But I don't think there's any organization that's trying to save an insect that is not save the bugs. adorable or has like some sort of Pixar film based around it. Like if people were killing ladybugs, I definitely think that there would be a movement to save the ladybugs. But you know, ants, roach, bees. I think people want to save bees. I think that people are on board with bees, but I think that spiders, anything, you know, God, you know, God forbid cockroaches. No way. No, nobody's trying to save them. Yeah. So if you are, uh, you know, an animal rights person, let us know. I do want to know if PETA's pro bugs or anti bugs. Oh, and it's all out war on the mosquito right now. In LA? Everywhere. Just because it's going to be the summer? Zika. Oh, because of Zika. Oh, I bet PETA's still pro mosquito, though. No. 
PETA, I think somebody should tweet to PETA and find out their stance on Mesquita. Yeah, that's good. We'll give uh, Paul Borges tweet to, to, to PETA and find out their stance find on somebody, Mesquita. We, yeah, let's get some, can we get somebody from PETA on the phone and ask them about this? That, that would be fantastic. Okay, that's not a bad idea. That's for next week's podcast. Right. I think they would say, like, well, we recommend, you know, you wear long sleeve clothing and don't have, like, standing pools of water around so you can prevent interaction with the mosquitoes. But I think deep down, like, they, they get a, a huge mosquito in their house. I, and I have them. I, I've got, like, for some reason, we have giant mosquitoes around right now. And I'm just, like, swatting at them uh, with a broom. And are you worried about the Zika virus? I'm not, but, you know, I feel like for the most part, they've said, you know, for people that are pregnant uh, and, you know, if everything goes according to plan over here, that's not a concern for any of us. You're not going to get pregnant, I would hope. (laughs) Right, right. But uh, that being said, who knows? Who knows? No no good comes from the mosquitoes. All right. But I do. Yeah, we want to know PETA pro mosquito, anti mosquito. You know, I had heard also that in a lot of these like big hotels, when they have bed bugs, they can't ever get rid of the bed bugs. All they can do is they like just like chase them onto like one floor, they sort of like know where they are. That's crazy. How do they do that? You mean they like put all the sheets on that? Like I don't wonder how they do that. No, they sort of like fumigate. You know, whatever they whatever they do, they like they can't get rid of them. They can just like sort of like chase them to like one spot. Yeah, I feel like hotels probably are riddled with bed bugs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not a fun thing to think about. So let's not get too far down that yeah, rabbit and, hole. And in Manhattan, at one point, it looked like the whole city was going to be overrun by bed bugs, like eight years ago. And then what happened? You just didn't hear about them. I feel like people just clammed up. Shut about it down. It. They but shut down. It the was media. like on the Upper East Side. It was like every fancy building was was filled <laughs> with bed bugs, and it's like I just think the whole city is just going to like run away. Oh no, but it never happened. All right. Uh, So we start off with a very interesting scene. So there's a double date that's happening where it's sort of like they're like, ah, we got to introduce Jerry's girlfriend and George's girlfriend. Let's just put them together in one scene. Like there's no reason like these two women do not know each other at all. It's just like "Ah, everybody in one scene. Yeah, but they still go to the bathroom together because that's what women do. (laughs) I do think that in a lot of different episodes, we would just see jerry's girlfriend like we would hear about her and then we'd kind of just see her for the first time in that one toothbrush scene because there were a lot of uh episodes where you know you do see the jerry girlfriend for you hear about her four times then you see her once for five seconds yeah so yeah here it's like a little different that they're double dating by the way this episode written by the tag team of berg and schaefer alec berg and jeff schaefer yeah there's uh 106 we only have 74 more to go i feel like we could taste it 19th episode of season six, as long as we can taste it and then don't spit it back out and let somebody else. No, taste not it. spitting it back out. Right. So we get to a couple of things going on here where George went to go see Elaine at her drawing class, which is almost completely unfathomable that Elaine is in a drawing class and he went to go see her. Unless what Jerry is saying is true, that he wanted to go see nude models. Yeah, I'm not sure. And then Jerry talks about how that he was dating a nude model once and she wouldn't get naked for him. Almost the same exact plot as when he was trying to get the massage from when he was dating the masseuse. I wasn't sure if Jerry's story was canon or not. What did you think? Yeah, I don't think it is. I think this is Jerry uh, work, workshopping a bit that he's trying to do on stage. That's yeah. what I thought. George is almost getting upset that Jerry is being too funny. And, yeah, uh, don't be funnier than me. Right. And he's like, hey, knock it off. Stop being stop being so funny. Yeah, it's, it, the scene is very reminiscent of that. Like you almost expect George. That's like you don't know why he's mad and you expect it's basically because of that. Yeah. So 
they're having dessert and Jerry's girlfriend, Shelly, she's like eating some sort of a pecan. She's like sucking on it and then she like takes it out and puts it on her dish. And then Jerry picks it up after she takes it. And then George is like, what are you doing? That was in her mouth. And Jerry like kind of freaks out. Yeah, Jerry's the last person who would be eating ABC pecan pits. Yeah. So what do you think about this? Like, who's really in the wrong here? Does Jerry overreact? Does what is Shelly doing in the first place with like sucking on a pecan and then putting it on her dish? Yeah, Jerry definitely overreacts. I feel like his tone is like a little bit uncomfortable. Right. Like if one of us spoke to our wife like that at a restaurant, their their wives would leave the restaurant. Right. He says, Um, uh, you ate these? You sucked on these? You put them on a plate? What's wrong with you? I I think she's guilty. um, Like, you know, it, it shouldn't be in the middle. You know, it's a little too gross. Like, it should be on your own thing. You should be kind of hiding it. Or See, I thought it was on her own, own thing. Pile. I thought it was like she was putting it back on the dish. Yeah, but it's a little bit, you know, you like this is this is like garbage. You don't want to. It's not shouldn't be out in the middle for everyone to to have. But, um, you know, he also could pay more attention to what he's eating. Like, it's a hard thing to not realize that you're eating these already, you know, already been chewed nuts. Like, how do you not <laughs> taste the fact they're wet? Yeah, I don't know. So they get up. Those two women, they go to the bathroom. Jerry was pretty grossed out about the whole thing. And George is like, well, you kiss her, but uh, like that's different. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I, did have, uh, I, I did have a friend once who said he would, uh, he would never share any sort of drink or anyone with his children. or his, I haven't checked in with his wife or his kids, like a super Jeremy. And we've established on this show that you are also like a, like a tier one Jeremy. Tier one. So what is like, is tier four the worst? No, tier four is you don't care. Oh, no. Well, I'm not tier one. I, I Yeah, you don't I mean, share drinks. I mean, I would. I mean, uh, don't put me in the top tier. Wait, wait let's say, let's say uh, a family member took a bite of an apple. Which family member? Let one of your kids it takes one bite of an apple and is like, ah, I'm not hungry. Do you finish that apple if you're in the mood for an apple? Um, it really depends on, like, my... my son dominic is like he's always sick like he always no. has like a runny nose and like uh all kids always have a runny constantly nose. so i think that i think i would think i would have to go back to what his symptoms were at the time like today is brutal so from tier one to tier four tier four being the the biggest Jeremy, i, I think you're a tier three okay like yeah I, I don't know if i'm quite there i i feel like i'm, I'm, much a, I'm a tier zero i'll i'll eat you know off the floor i don't care okay <laughs> so will my son and that's part of the reason why i don't want to share an apple with him right i don't know if you're sharing my <laughs> apple either up yeah well don't worry dominic whatever he doesn't care uh but that being said then uh george does a weird move here he stops the waiter who has the coffee urn and he starts like adjusting his hair in the coffee urn and the waiter doesn't say anything listen it's a fancy restaurant you're the guest is always right the customer is always right and it's like not quick like he's not like oh okay let me just do something my teeth okay good no he's like for like a good like 15 seconds like trying to fix his hair and is it his waiter i don't know yeah that's different because like if it, if it was my table i'd be like oh, i'm not gonna say anything because i want a big tip but if it's not i feel like you can just walk away yeah all right so the women come back from the ladies room they want to get going and uh, George has a good zinger to Jerry. He says, hey, Jerry, be careful. There's a lot of nuts out there. Yeah, they're not amused. The ladies yeah. are not amused by this. So George's girlfriend, her name is Paula, that she tells George, could you reach for my purse? And when George goes to reach for it, he sees something 
And uh, we find out at Monk's what it is. And she has drawn a caricature of George, which is not a flattering one. The aforementioned doodle. Yes, we don't see it, but uh, it, it looks like Mr. Magoo, Elaine is going to say, definitely not uh, not a, you know, not making him look like the model George thinks he is when he's looking in a, uh, you know, a, a glass coffee thing. <laughs> yeah. So he's really upset because he says, how could a woman feel attracted to a person if she's drawing pictures of this? My biggest pet peeve here is that why is this episode named The Doodle? I mean, other than here in this moment, The Doodle is really not mentioned the whole rest of the way. All right. So do you want to do you want to beat the name now or as we go along? I feel like as we go along, we could beat it in five different ways. Yeah. I, let's do it at maybe at the end as we go along, because I think that, you know, I had some ideas, but nothing really, uh, you know, struck a chord right oh, away. Because I have I have five things off the top of my head that could beat the. OK, let's do it then. OK. The the peach or the peaches. The peaches. Okay. Much a much bigger part of the episode than the doodle. Yeah. I, I would The fleas. Much bigger part of the episode than the doodle. I feel like the fleas, it's a little bit of a reveal that Jerry has fleas, so I would say Okay, fair. No. Fair. Although the doodle is played off for the first scene as a reveal, but that you know, they do show that a minute into the episode. Mm-hmm. Like we you know, they go to commercial and you don't know what what George is or at least the next scene. I'm not sure if it's commercial break. You know, they, you don't know what George is like because George is looking at the doodle and you don't know what it is. It's like, wow, what's so interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't like the fleas, you have the manuscript, which is really the central part of the whole episode. Mm. Yeah, I- I'm still more on board with the peaches. The toothbrush, toothbrush. You, have, you have the Plaza Hotel or the hotel. Yeah. Yeah, I think the peaches, I, I'd say I'd go, I'd go with that because that's involved with the George storyline in the end and the fumigation and... and What's going on there? And that ultimately the fumigation leads to well, like I think that's more tied into everything. OK, I, I do like the fleas, but yeah, I think I think uh, I think the peaches works. Yeah. OK, so we end up with George complaining about this. And so Elaine comes in and we find out that she's been recommended for a job over at Viking Press. And because they have like a room at the Plaza Hotel for out of town guests, she's saying that she's in from out of town so she can stay at the Plaza Hotel. Keeve, have you ever stayed at the Plaza Hotel? I have not. Have you ever been there? Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah. I was there. I don't even think it's a hotel. I think it's now it's like, it's like, like you live there. I don't think condos? it's a real hotel. I think it's condos. I think it was bought recently. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was there when uh, we had the Survivor finale in uh, 2003. That's where that's where we stayed. But I have to say it was I would much rather stay at like a really nice modern hotel, like something that's like brand new than something that's really old and classic. Like for my. Yeah. I think that that is much better the way to go. Right. That's just the name at that point. And I do they I do think they redid it just because, it, you know, and, and, and then and then made them into apartments. I'm not sure if it's all apartments or just partially. But uh, um, yeah, in general, like the hotel, you just want, uh, you know, you want like modern, sleek, like luxury. You're not you're not interested in history. That doesn't help you. It's not a museum. Yeah. You want to be the first person staying at the hotel, not the, you know. 10 million. Yeah, you don't you want to avoid any any chances of uh, 100 years of bed bugs. <laughs> so <laughs> Elaine ends up taking a look at the drawing and she's like cracking up laughing about the whole thing. 
uh, George ends up coming back. He had gone to the bathroom, and he is wanting to know from Elaine if in her next drawing class, if she could find out from Paula if she likes him, likes him. Yeah, very high school. Yeah, and we're going to play on that a lot in the upcoming scene. But something really unusual happens where Jerry starts making fun of George and Elaine because this caper is getting a little too sitcom-y. He says, so if you and Potsy are done scheming, now, is what do you think of that move where it, we're watching a sitcom and a character on a sitcom is calling out the behavior of two other people in the sitcom for being too sitcom-y. Yeah, that's good. And I don't know who she is if he's Potsy. I don't remember too much about Happy Days. But I think um, I think Seinfeld views itself as like being above the sitcom. I don't, I don't think they mind being meta. Uh, shows are much more meta now than they were in the 90s. I feel like they're willing to take bigger risks with breaking the third wall and the fourth wall and things like that. But... Um, I, I, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. He, you know, they mention, they mention all sorts of comedy things. It's usually movies or the three stooges, but, uh, I don't mind like a 20 year old show reference here. I don't mind the 20 year old show reference, but I feel like that the reference is, this is something that is really sitcom-y that's happening in the episode. I kind of feel like if you need to make that joke, that isn't a plot point you should put into the show. Because if you're saying that, like, okay, this is something that would happen in the, you know, a show that's famous for jumping the shark, then you shouldn't be having it in, you know, the most cutting age sitcom of its generation. That's fair. Um, again, they view themselves as a little bit of. Yeah, I mean, they view themselves as above it. I don't think. Uh, And maybe it's like a reverse sort of ironic thing where it's like, we know we're not above this. I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of like the thing where, you know, you're saying that, well, I know this joke isn't funny, so don't get mad when I tell it. But, you know, it's just like, well, don't tell the joke. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I've done that before. (laughs) (laughs) Told the joke, but prefaced that it's not funny. Sort of undercutting uh, what they're going to do. And so... We end up with uh, Kramer coming in, and uh, he is bragging to Jerry about the Mackinac peaches in Jerry's apartment. He split a case of the Mackinac peaches, and Jerry is tempted or is not tempted to try one of Kramer's delicious Mackinac peaches. Yeah, really nobody has the passion for fruit that Kramer has. He loves it. He loves it. And so... Jerry apparently has some sort of a flea bite that on his ankle that he uh, keeps scratching and he doesn't understand how he could possibly have fleas. Uh, Yeah, you know, the cleanest guy we know getting fleas. Um, But we don't really know in the end how he gets fleas, right? We really don't know. It's 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 kind of a mystery. The the whole. I mean, it thing. came. I guess it came from from Newman. Came from Newman. Oh, so did the dog. Okay, so I th- this comes up at the end, but it's worth mentioning now. There's a very important deleted scene in okay. this episode. All right. Okay, because the end doesn't make a ton of sense, and I know we could wait till the end, but it may be relevant now, so it might be worth. And I didn't see the deleted scene. I can't find my season six Seinfeld DVDs. I had That's to watch right. on I got Hulu. Your back. I got okay. your back with the deleted scenes. So Newman, uh, the the Jerry Newman scene in the hallway, uh, which we see has an extended version. Where Newman admits that he has fleas, very you know they they it's a little bit of a different take, but it's similar, and then he explains that he was attacked by Buford, 
the biggest bulldog he's ever seen on his route. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how he got the fleas. I've never heard that before. The dog that attacks him in the in the final scene of the episode, you know, had also attacked him, which is how he knows the name because it's weird at the end that Kramer and, and Newman just like, oh, that's Buford. And he lets him off the chain, and Buford then attacks Newman to end the episode. I've never heard that before, where a dog attacks people, and then the, you know, it doesn't end up with a bite, not a scratch, but the dog has given him fleas. Yes, so I I don't know exactly how it works. And then we also have to reverse engineer, like, how did the fleas, like, when is Newman's in in Jerry's apartment? I guess the answer is when Kramer's hanging out there, Newman's there with him. And he's sitting on the couch eating chunkies and putting the wrapper underneath the cushions? Well, I think that's what we're led to believe, yes. I mean, the whole thing is very implausible to me. The whole And if I was, like, sneaking food and sneaking in someone's house, I'd probably put the chunky wrappers in my pocket. But Newman is an animal. Right. So I don't know if he's just, like, leaving them there and then they're just getting under the cushions or if he's consciously doing that. But more on that to come. As we go along. But Jerry is very concerned. He thinks he has fleas and uh, obviously is very upset about this. Uh, Kramer has a good line and he asks Jerry, did you get a dog? Yeah, it is funny. It's very subtle, but it's just the idea of like, oh, yeah, you would know about it because you're here more than I am. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And Kramer is asked by Jerry when Kramer reveals that he used to have fleas and uh, Jerry asks him, what did you do about them? And Kramer says, what do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, light. there's a lot of like very small, like subtle, uh, good one-liners in the episode. Right, and so Morty and Helen show up, and uh, that sets off that they ultimately will need a place to stay when Jerry gets the apartment fumigated. But it is funny when Helen walks in; she immediately knows what's wrong. What's wrong? I know something is wrong. And he says, "Mom, Dad, I have fleas." How unlikely is it that Jerry a wouldn't pick up his parents from the airport, mm-hmm. and b they just like they wouldn't call ahead, they wouldn't ring the doorbell, they just like barge into the room, moving fifty miles an hour. <laughs> the good question. I don't know, uh, you know, in Hammer Time, how much you did the call ahead, but it does seem unlikely. Maybe they got picked up by Leo. Maybe Leo did it. I don't know. Leo, really? Leo's charging you if he's picking you up from the airport. He's at least making you pay for the gas. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's the case. But uh, I could see him being like, oh, why don't you call me? You know, why don't you have me come pick you up? What are you too good for me? You don't want to see me? See Leo forcing his way in there. Yeah, maybe he brings Nana for the ride. And it takes Nana out. Okay. So we see Elaine and Paula in the art drawing class and you know the gag in this scene is that it's supposed to be like they're in middle school do you like him do you like him like him is this too cartoony for you keev it's not that like it's not the only things that bother me are like when something's outside the realm of possibility like it's not it's unrealistic this is fine for me i feel like uh it's it's they're back in school so Mm -hmm. to me like they're in class so they're reverting back to their Listen, my my dad is a CPA, and he goes with his 87-year-old father to uh, – you have to go to continuing, continuing education classes like on Sundays. You know, for, you need like 18 hours a year to, to you know, retain your CPA, whatever. And l- literally in class, like my dad will be like on his computer and, and, and his father will be like, hey, Lewis, pay attention. You know? Yeah. So I feel like people revert back to their cells when they're in class, even when they're, you know, a lot older. To me, I feel like that this is a different sitcom. This isn't Seinfeld. So it takes me out of it a little bit. I hear you. I also, it's like Paula says, Elaine, 
how did you know that I've been going out with George Costanza? And Elaine doesn't answer. Oh, he's one of my only three friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you went on a double date with Jerry, who's my best friend. Uh, and there's only two other friends. Like I'm literally both of their best friends. And it, it's just a bizarre question. I feel like we have that a bunch of times in the series where people are like confused by the core four connection. <laughs> yeah. I mean, didn't George meet her when he came to Elaine's art class? So uh, what is the disconnect here? I'm not sure. It's right. It's not a secret. Like when Jerry and George are, you know, in the race, when Jerry and George are pretending not to know each other. Yeah. You know, so so George can uh, can, you know, uh, validate Jerry's side of the race story. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. All right, so they're talking about, do you like him? Do you, uh, do you like him, like him? She says, uh, yes, she does like him, like him. And on top of that, looks are not that important to her. Wow, a bombshell. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to hear that? You know, George says later in the episode, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather someone think I'm attractive and hate me than someone like me but think I'm not good looking. Of course. I mean, uh, is there anybody that would prefer the opposite? Yeah, but it's just one person's opinion. It's not, I'd rather be ugly. It's, I'd rather this one person think, you know, it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. Well, I think... So wouldn't you rather this person like you? I mean, if the option is to be unattractive, but be liked by a person who does not care about appearance, or to be attractive... Again, again just unattractive in one person's eyes, not like universally ugly. Mm. I guess so. Um, you, so you're saying that for that one, you have one person. I guess if if it was like if we were drilling down to there is one woman, would I rather she thought I was unattractive but liked me as opposed to she hated me but thought I was good looking? Again, if it's just in the eyes of this one person and not the universal worldview, mm-hmm. then I guess I would say. I would rather be unattractive and liked by that one woman. But if I had the option, by if the if it was the opinion of the world, I would rather be attractive and hated by that one woman because there would be many other options. Right. Or what if you were hated by the whole world, though? Hated by the whole world, but still attractive? Yeah, still attractive. Very mm-hmm. attractive. I, I think I would still go with that. Yeah, probably. I don't I think, know where it's getting you if everyone hates you, but yeah. I... I I think you'll you'll cross that bridge when you get there. Yeah, there's nobody that's just universally despised. Like we, you know, even like you know Charles Manson has girlfriend and stuff like that. So I think I might be you know uh, very attractive, but just like universally, uh, almost universally reviled. And then you know there's still going to be you know women that'll go out with me. Even Charles Manson has a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I've got a swastika on his face. Yeah. Girlfriend. I think that's better than, you know, everybody <laughs> likes you, but nobody finds you attractive. Right. But I mean, but I guess, you know, what, what if you were both? Yeah. I, well, I guess, well, are, are they, if everybody likes you, are they, would they, do they like you romantically, even though they find you unattractive? Like, I feel like that in my scenario, it's like everybody likes you, but you're in the friend zone with everybody. Or right. everybody hates you, but there's the option for, um, you know, extracurricular activities with more parties. Sure. I don't know. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, you just you want to hit the right Venn diagram. You don't want to be like everyone thinks you're ugly and uh, you and they are like repulsed by your you know personality also. Yeah. Elaine gets busted for chewing gum here. She has to spit it out. and She like makes a face behind the teacher's back. All right. <laughs> so we have the exterminator come through. Carl, the exterminator shows up and we have a full blown outbreak of fleas in Jerry's apartment. 
Yes, and Carl the Exterminator makes his first of two appearances. Yes, because of you know we will see him. Uh, we will see him again in the Diplomats yes. Club. He is very good, Carl the Exterminator. And Jerry's like, I don't understand. How do I have fleas? Uh, Carl says, you know, I don't explain them. <laughs> I just exterminate them. And so the plan of attack from Carl the Exterminator is that they want to shut down Jerry's apartment for 48 hours and fumigate. I feel like exter- like I don't know if an individual exterminator is a great job, but I feel like owning like a company and having exterminators, I feel like those guys do well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, from a financial standpoint, because I feel like it's not a great gig. Well, in a bed bug era, like if you're in New York and you have those like bed bug dogs, I feel like that's that's a lot of money. Bed bug dogs, yeah. The bed, the dogs that sniff bed bugs, that's like five hundred bucks an hour, probably. Yeah, but I feel like you're working with a lot of chemicals. Well, you're the owner. You just you send guys out. Send on guys the job. out. Okay, you're not the actual person doing that. No, you're not. You're not exterminating. Do we have an exterminating correspondent? Oh, that's a good idea. I'd <laughs> like to hear an exterminator. If we have an exterminating correspondent, I want to know like how, how, how they do. Is that a good job or a bad job? Yeah, that'd be interesting what to know. What are they know. pulling down? All right. So <laughs> Jerry says, well, my parents are staying here. And Carl says, well, they can't stay here unless you want to kill them. <laughs> uh, here comes Elaine. And uh, she comes in and Jerry breaks the news to her that there's fleas. There are fleas in his apartment. And she like picks up her purse uh, very quickly. And so Jerry starts begging Elaine, hey, you have this hotel room at the plaza. Can my parents take over the hotel room at the plaza? Eventually, she says that that's okay. But you know what's interesting to me about this is that at no point in the episode is the idea of Elaine's apartment ever in play. Jerry doesn't yes. say, hey, can I stay at your apartment? That We never have, uh, hey, could my parents stay at your apartment and you stay at the plaza? It's just never talked about in the episode. Well, it's a good question. Let's say you had two free nights in the best hotel in L.A. Okay. And you had relatives coming over. Mm-hmm. And so now you have a choice. They could stay in your house without you. And here it's not even relative. It's, you know, your ex-boyfriend's parents. But let's pretend it's like an uncle and aunt or something. They could stay in your house without you. And you stay in the nice hotel. Or you stay at home and you give them the nice hotel room. Okay. I think that you have sort of watered this down. So my house is being fumigated let's say you're my next door neighbor or you live Mm -hmm. you you live nearby okay my house is being fumigated and my mom is staying with with me and what what am i gonna i I have to leave my house but you have two nights in the nicest hotel in new york and you were gonna go stay there your house is empty i feel like that that would be exceptionally ballsy for me to say to you of, hey, could you not stay in the hotel? Could my mom take those nights in the hotel? It's almost like, hey, you're, ha- you're vacating your house. Could, I, could people stay? Could I have my out-of-town guests stay at your place? Yeah, I think also, uh, I, like, I know personally, like most of the people I know, were definitely all, like my wife, my mother, they, don't, they wouldn't want the guests staying in their house. They'd be like, okay, they could take the hotel room. I don't want anybody staying in my house when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, you know, I, I think maybe this is a, to each their own on this one, but I think I would much rather go stay at the plaza. Yeah. The, this is I'm like Eloise's here. choice. Yeah. Eloise's choice. Okay. So then, uh, George comes up. Elaine has some news for him. She found out that Paula likes George. Also, Jerry has a manuscript, which, or we'll find out it's the manuscript. A package was sent 
via FedEx. I don't know who signed for it, uh, Morty or Helen, but that was sent to their house in Florida where Elaine said she was living because she lives out of town. So here comes George. He comes up, and Elaine gives the download from Paula, and she likes him. And George is over the moon. Very happy. Yeah, she likes him, likes him. And so he says, you see, I got myself into a tizzy. I got all worked up for nothing. And then Elaine blurts out. And in fact, she said that looks aren't even important to her. Yeah, and I don't know why George is so mad here. Because a lot of the show is George admitting that he's not the best looking dude. Mm -hmm. Sure. But as he would say that, you know, I'd rather she hate me and thought I was good looking, at least I can get somebody else. So, you know, George, I think, is looking at this. It's not just a matter of perception. I think it's sort of like there is truth in what she's saying that, oh, he is unattractive. He is seen by me the, the way in the doodle. And he would prefer to, you know, if she thought he was attractive, at least he has other options. Yeah. So he's on your side. Yeah. So the next thing we see are the Seinfelds checking into the plaza. Morty is like, oh, my God, look at this, macadamia nuts. They're like 80 cents a nut. That sounds high, even for 1995, Akiva. Do we have a price check on macadamia nuts? I mean, first of all, you say high for 95. Like, don't you think uh, macadamia nuts are cheaper now? Why? Why do you but, think they got more expensive? I, I would feel like that they got more expensive because of inflation. Do you feel like that we've tapped into some new macadamia nut source, which would make them cheaper in 2016 than they were in 1995? Okay, so I, I on Amazon, if you want to buy dry roasted Mauna Loa macadamia nuts, mm -hmm. it's a four and a half ounce container is $4.65. Yeah, Morty's way off here. I yeah. mean, so it's I mean, at, it doesn't say how many come in the container, but it's not 80 cents cent. a nut for a four dollar container. That's approximately what, like six or seven nuts in the container. Yeah, there's definitely I could see this container. There's way more than six or seven nuts yes. in here. So either I can almost see the serving size. If Amazon had taken the picture a little bit more to the right, you know, maybe we've cracked the case of some genetically modified macadamia nuts where we are able to just grow them like they are nothing. Or we've found some place that is able to uh, some new macadamia nut farm or Morty is either exaggerating or just way off with his accounting here. Uh, yeah, and again, but maybe the hotel charges eighty cents a nut because it's room service. <laughs> oh, that maybe, makes sense. maybe. But it seemed like that was a basket from Viking more so than that was some sort of mini bar feature. Yeah, you might be right. Okay, so uh, Helen and, and Morty are all excited about this, and uh, Morty's very excited about. It. They even have a phone. In the John, this, this storyline to me also feels a little bit off with the Seinfelds going nuts at the Plaza Hotel. I mean, are they under the impression that all of this is just completely complimentary and they could just party like rock stars? I mean, typically, and I don't know what you did in 1995, but when you go to a hotel that they ask you for a credit card for any sort of, like, I've never, maybe that, you know, Viking just has so much money. Oh, they probably have Viking's credit card info on file, yeah. Yeah, and so even then, the Seinfelds would be acting this crazy? Yeah, it is definitely pretty uh, gross behavior of them. Like, they, you know, either in their mind, either Lane's company's paying for it, and if they spend too much money, they get her in trouble, or Jerry's paying for it. We don't know if they know about the whole Viking scenario. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I feel like Jerry would have had to explain it because from what we know about Morty and Helen, they wouldn't have wanted this room if they knew Jerry was paying for it. They would have been annoyed. Yeah. That he spent so much money on a plaza. So I feel like he says, oh, Elaine's company maybe doesn't say it's a job interview. Maybe they think Elaine is like established there. But still, I feel like running up the the room service bill uh, is uh, is probably uh, a bad luck. Yeah. To me, it just seems like that Morty Seinfeld would not be wasteful, even if it wasn't his money. Maybe I'm misreading the character. I mean, to the point where he says later on he's watching four pay-per-view movies at once, uh, that they're they're ordering room service nonstop. Uh, even Nana is throwing champagne glasses around the room. It just seems really odd behavior from the Seinfeld clan. Yeah, you know they don't do uh, like high luxury things a lot, so maybe they're just like a little so out of their element. They assume that you can act this way, and people will just clean up after you and stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. So we see now at Elaine's building, uh, she meets a woman named Judy who works for Viking and they're going to have lunch and she wants to know if Elaine got the manuscript because that's what they're going to have her do, give criticism on the manuscript. Elaine realizes that, oh, I never got that uh, and that was what was sent to Seinfeld's parents down in Florida and she realizes she needs to go get the manuscript. Yeah, a terrible job by Elaine uh, not you know, caring, not checking what's in the, the FedEx thing that Viking went out of the way to send her because even if it's just information about the company, like you still kind of need that for a job interview, right? Yeah. Like, and it's not like you could just Google everything about Viking, you know, then like you could now. So even if she just assumes it's like a basic packet, there's probably stuff you have to fill out. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy that you don't even check. Yeah. I mean, if you had a job interview with a company and they sent you like a big FedEx, you would think you would at least open it and say like, oh, what is this? Like benefits sure. package? They send me a towel. What is it? What is it? What is this? I mean, Elaine really does not deserve this job. No, she does not. She's a terrible employee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so then Elaine somehow, miracle of miracles, finds Jerry Seinfeld walking on the street. Uh, there's a lot of people running into each other. Like, we're not sure why Kramer and Newman run into each other at the end. Yes. Everyone just happens to be walking into Jerry's apartment right before it gets fumigated. There's like a dozen coincidences in this right. episode. And at this point, Jerry is staying at Shelly's apartment. So I guess Shelly must live nearby. And she sees him coming in or out of Shelley's building. And uh, she needs the manuscript, but they can't go there because the apartment is being fumigated. And Elaine will take her chances. She needs to go and get the manuscript. So we go up to Jerry's apartment and there's a big sign on the door. Fumigation. Do not enter. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that's uh, is this like, you know, my, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but my wife's house, her childhood home, her parents home got robbed once when they... Uh, the house was being fumigated. I don't remember what for. Oh, no. And the whole house, like everything got taken from the house. Really? And, was it you know, an inside they, job? Was it like a Breaking they, Bad they, type it thing? It was never solved. The uh, the Hollywood Police Department uh, never solved it. Wow. Um, but uh, so they don't know if I may, either like it was an inside job and, you know, the company never actually fumigated or people just went in. I think their suspicion was people went in with um, – because the whole house was tented. The people mm-hmm. went in with uh, like gas masks and, and just like robbed the whole house. Mm-hmm. And obviously they weren't home. They weren't, you know, because it was being tented for days uh, and they just had like literally the whole house. Everything got stolen. Yeah, I guess that's maybe the move. Even if it's not an inside job, it's like, OK, this place is tented. Like put your gas mask on. Let's go in there. Nobody's here. Right. Or or someone from the company doesn't actually like spray the thing. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's the inside job where they feel like, oh, you know, you go in with the gas mask, but there's no real gas. Okay. 
So Jerry and Elaine are talking about what to do. And all of a sudden the door opens and it's Kramer and he walks out and he says that he left a peach in the refrigerator. Uh, and Jerry says, uh, they're, you know, they're fumigating. What are you doing in there? And uh, Kramer's freaking out a little bit. And Jerry says, well, don't worry. It's only a couple of minutes. And Kramer was in there for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, this is really classic Kramer. Yeah. Just hanging out. Uh, and he was reading the manuscript. He couldn't put it down. Uh, and he's really not feeling good. He won't go back in to go look for the manuscript. And Elaine has to start making runs into the apartment looking for the manuscript. And uh, she's trying to hold her breath. And, you know, definitely a stressful couple of scenes here with Elaine trying to find the manuscript. Yeah, I think it's really good physical comedy by Elaine here. And I don't know, like we talk about like a lot of like there's a few episodes, few scenes in this episode that are sitcom-y and unrealistic. But I feel like this is kind of realistic. I could see like I left something in there and my wife is yelling at me that I'm an idiot. Mm -hmm. And she's like, all right, you're going back in there and getting it. Like, hold the shirt over your nose for the next 10 seconds and go back in there and get it. Yeah. So she goes back in and again is looking for everything. And then the only thing she comes out with are some chunky wrappers, which Jerry immediately knows Newman. Right. A famous line. I know the chunky that left these chunkies. So Jerry goes and confronts Newman and uh, Jerry is basically calling him out that, uh, hey, you gave me fleas. And whenever Jerry isn't looking, Newman starts like scratching incessantly. Yeah, this is also sitcom. Like he's playing to the camera. Yeah. And Wayne Knight, though, is so good. I mean, he really is like that. You can see at the point like he wants to scratch and like like the color of his face changes. Like he's so good in those moments where you could just like completely read he wants to scratch you could see like sort of like the sweat starting to build on his brow and he's just like as jerry is like uh like taunting him he's just like dying to start scratching yeah he i mean newman is so good at playing a bad guy yeah and so ultimately you know jerry taunts him and the bugs are crawling on your skin you want to scratch and then finally Newman breaks. He's like, uh, you know, I'm covered in fleas. Right. And as, as I said, in the we get a lot more of the uh, explanation in the deleted scene. OK. All right. So then uh, we cut to the back to the hotel. We see now that Uncle Leo is there. Nana is there. Uh, Morty is watching four pay-per-view movies at once. <laughs> uh, Morty has a masseuse there who's charging one hundred dollars an hour. Um, I feel like this is a very uncharacteristic Morty Seinfeld line that he says, this guy charges a hundred bucks an hour. I'm telling you, he's worth every penny. Yeah, no, of course. He would say more. The real Morty would say this is highway robbery, but I'm enjoying it. Yes. Like, uh, at least it's not my money. And then, yeah. yeah, Leo is eating the macadamia nuts. Nana says the champagne is flat. And Nana just takes a champagne glass and throws it <laughs> over her shoulder and says, let the chambermaid clean. I mean, have the Seinfelds never been in a hotel before? I don't think so. I feel like this is their first time and, and uh, maybe their last time in a hotel. Even if there was the champagne flowing, all you can drink champagne in a hotel room, what animals that are just taking glasses and, and breaking them just like, ah, champagne's no good. Let me break a glass in, on the carpet right now. Uh, yeah, I, these are... Is she are, Justin uh, Bieber? <laughs> This is a classy bunch of that is something that Bieber does, right? Like he Bieber goes up and right and he does the same thing every time, right? He says, uh, you gotta let her stay here for free, and then Bieber's gonna tweet about you how great your hotel is at the end, which he never ends up doing. Mm -hmm. And then 
<laughs> right. And then it's like, is this a real story? Oh, yeah. You, there's always stories like this. Like Bieber goes into some like hot air balloon place and it's like, hey, uh, like, let us, you know, have 20 people come in um, and then, uh, you know, and then, you know, we'll tweet about it. And then they're then they're like calling the paper the next day, like the New York Post, like Bieber never tweeted about our. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm um, to, let me look on Bieber's Twitter. Uh, Twitter. I do not follow him. Uh, I'm trying to see if uh, like he has any tweets that are like, "Boy, I'm saying this hotel, it is the best." I mean, now it might be Instagram. Like this was a few years ago. I feel like now you now your like product placements are probably Instagram. Yeah, uh, he says uh, recently on May 6th, the Beeb said. Uh, the media really loves to twist things. Glad we can have social media so they can't twist me. I love people. Plain and simple, I love people. That is That's uh, pretty deep, man. Yeah, that is uh, from the Biebs. Yeah, how much do you think it? Co- I mean, it's got to cost. Like, if you just want Bieber to like tweet about your pro- your product, mm-hmm. it's got to cost a lot of money. Probably a lot. Um, you know, I'm surprised to hear you say this because I thought that you were a, a very big Bieber fan. Uh, Belieber? No, I, I I listen. I you know I want him to. I wish him all the best, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I listen. I'm just reporting. I don't make the news. I just I just report what the New York Post tells me that, you know, I love the beeps. Yeah, I thought you love the beeps. <laughs> you know, I love the beeps. I tolerate. <laughs> I tolerate the beeps. That's a throwback. His last Beeb. album was listenable. That's better than his first few albums. You know, I love the beeps. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, we see George with Paula on the street and he confronts her about that. You said looks aren't important to you and he says oh you wouldn't even care if i just uh, dressed like a slob i pulled my shirt out of my pants i could go to lincoln center wearing uh sneakers and jeans and you wouldn't care and she's like yeah basically you wear sweatpants and george is so annoyed this sounds like a dream woman right 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 and then she says to him you could drape yourself in velvet for all i care which is certainly a throwback to when george says i would love to be ensconced in velvet a couple of times but it is such a bizarre thing for a stranger to say, for her to say, you could drape yourself in velvet for all I care. Like, first off, like, there are few articles of clothing made from velvet. It's like if you were talking about, like, you could be such a slob, who would wear velvet? It's so weird. Listen, it's, there's a lot of coincidences here. But, and not to mention we have, you know, we had Mel Torme last episode, The Velvet Fog. And that gets a reference in this episode, too. So there's a lot of velvet on the uh, on the brain of the writer's room. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Elaine takes Kramer to Monks to get the download from him on the manuscript because they can't find it. And it's funny here because Kramer tells her word for word his thoughts. And then she ultimately is going to end up repeating them in her meeting. But it turns out like that it actually goes pretty well where the guy from Viking actually uh, seems to think that Kramer has this manuscript peg. Right. They play it that they're not, you know, you're not sure at first if Kramer is totally wrong, which you'd kind of expect, or if he's nailing it. And they should, the guy's never like, oh, man, you really nailed it. But he is intrigued by what she is parroting back that Kramer said. So I do think he really, he ultimately did a good job. Yeah. It would be great if somebody could leave uh, this for us as an iTunes review on our iTunes page. Uh, it's a story about love, deception, greed, lust, and unbridled enthusiasm. Of course, uh, that's what led to Billy Mumphrey's downfall. Uh, you see, Billy was a simple country boy. You might say a cockeyed optimist. 
who got himself mixed up in the high stakes game of world diplomacy and international intrigue. <laughs> I feel like who's I feel like you're the Billy Mumphrey here though. I'm the Billy Mumphrey that I was I was a simple boy from Long Island, a yes. cockeyed optimist who got himself mixed up in the high stakes game of podcasting and TV show recapping. That's right. High stakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so Lane is a, a very funny line. Uh, she orders a scotch on the rocks here at Monk's. <laughs> yeah. Do diners serve? Like, I don't know. I don't even know that like a diner like this would have like a hard alcohol. See, I don't know. Like I that. do feel like on Long Island, like there's a lot of diners where you could order alcohol. I think the city has pretty strict liquor rules. Mm, I feel like that there's certain places that you could uh, get like, I feel like there's I've been not to a lot of drinking historically at Monk's. Yeah, no, no, very rare, very rare. Like you never see anybody with a beer or anything like that at Monks. But I do think that you probably could get something. I like. I feel like I've been to diners where you could order liquor. Okay. Uh, so then uh, Kramer can't taste anything. He's very upset about this, and it is a byproduct of being in the room that was fumigated. So he gets up and leaves. He's like putting like so much salt on his food. He can't taste anything. This is all in his head, right? Like I feel like. We've all had this where we like something happens. You're like, oh, my gosh, you know, and you get all hypochondriac about it. Oh, no, I felt like this was real. I did not read this as Kramer overreaction. Oh, so you mean you think like he couldn't taste because he had like uh, he was like if he had been there for 10 more minutes, he would have been gone. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the exterminator says, hey, only if you want your parents to be dead, let them stay here. I mean, yeah, but that's two days. And also, like the lawyers tell you, you have to say that because they have to cover their their bases legally and say like oh yeah you can't go in there we i don't told think you not to go in there. <laughs> that this was any sort of overreaction uh yes okay i mean i some sometimes i feel like that's like a hypochondriac type of thing but yeah. I, I guess i guess it could be real okay all right so we see jerry in shelly's bathroom he does not have a toothbrush there she says use my toothbrush and uh, he's having an issue with it yeah the episode i don't know if i suggested it, but the episode could be called a toothbrush although i guess we did have uh the toothbrush toilet already. So I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's too confusing. Yeah. But yeah. I, a lot of people don't. Are you how, what's your opinion? Uh, tier two, Jeremy, on uh, sharing a toothbrush with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be my first choice of things to, no. to do. Like it's if, not my wife's first choice either. But <laughs> if we go away for only one night, I don't bring my own toothbrush. I use hers, but she doesn't really. Oh, <laughs> Don't tell her. I, I pack my own. I pack my own. If it was like an emergency. I mean, but if I forget, I got no problem uh, using hers. She, does, she really doesn't like it. Yeah. I think I might just go in that spot just like Listerine. I think I might just go maybe uh, and Listerine and toothbrush on a finger. Yeah. Just skip that night. I, I hear you. But I, uh, you know, I, it's, it's more like it makes her mad. But I feel like she'd probably rather me brush my teeth even with her toothbrush. <laughs> All right. So. We end up seeing uh, Kramer uh, and Newman talking, and Newman is coming out of a drugstore uh, with eating a peach. He also has a small brown paper bag in his other hand. Is Newman buying booze? No, I think it's like flea medication. Oh, uh, yeah, because he does have like uh, calamine lotion later. All right. Yeah. So he wants a bite of the peach. And Kramer can't taste anything. He can't even taste the Mackinac. So Newman wants to get all the peaches. Yeah, it's like it's like going shopping when you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, he's giving away these peaches because he, he, he's not hungry now because yeah. he can't taste the food. He's going to regret it. Don't waste them. 
So we see Elaine with the publisher from Viking, and uh, he's getting the download that Elaine got from Kramer of, you know, it's the story of love, deception, greed, lust, unbridled enthusiasm. And he's like, oh, really? Unbridled enthusiasm. And Elaine is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, start to give this with some more uh, emotion. And uh, he seems on board. Billy Mumphrey was a simple country boy. Yeah. I mean, if he asked one more question, I feel like she would have been exposed. <laughs> this is a little bit like, you know, George watches the movie um and gets exposed but you know here it actually works mm-hmm. yeah all right so back at the plaza hotel uh morty is watching under siege uh that leo is like really uh, sick from eating too many nuts uh they're just another shot of the debauchery going Everyone's on in the plaza. out yeah. yeah yeah all right so here comes george he walks into monks ensconced in velvet yeah the velvet fog himself yes and so he is talking about how this is the real deal. Uh, Jerry can't believe it. And uh, she says, she's seen you wearing this. And George tells us we just had sex. Yeah. And then he put the, uh, I guess the velvet. This is like victory lap. He's going out in the velvet. Okay. So let me just ask a quick question. Uh, okay. What day of the week is this? And what time of the day is this? Okay. Well, the timeline for this episode is a little confusing because... They come with the interv- they come with the with the manuscript, and then the um, the house is fumigated for forty eight hours. So I do think this whole everything up to, you know the, the, now the interview has just happened. I think everything has happened in the last forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's the window of time that Jerry's out of his apartment. So right, so it's during the day. I don't know what day of the week it is, but she just had a job interview, so it's not the weekend. Mm-hmm. So what is this, like around like lunchtime? Yeah, this is probably like Thursday at lunch. On a weekday? Yeah. And George doesn't have to ever go to work? Listen, it's the, it's the baseball strike. Is it over yet? I'm, I'm, it's not clear if it's, it's over yet. April 6th. I mean, I feel that we'd be starting to make but some is preparations. It April 6th? It's yeah. April 6th for us. It yeah. might still be in March. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Uh, so it just seems like a weird move of like, hey, he just had uh, he just had sex and then he's off to monks, but maybe she had to go. Without her work. also. Yeah. <laughs> Without her. So... George says, you know, this is someone I've been looking for my whole life. This is the perfect woman. And Jerry says that now the search for the right psychiatrist begins. I feel like that Jerry's pretty down on George uh, throughout this. Yeah, I don't know why. I feel like this is kind of a throwaway line. I, I don't think George is really doing anything wrong here. He is. He's, George is going over the top. He's like being too mean. In the next scene with with Paula, he's like way too mean to her. But oh, I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. But um, George is. But I like I, it's hard to really like. You know, she did say George is ugly, so I feel like George has a right to kind of be depressed about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jerry has a suitcase with him, and George wants to know what's going on, and he explains that he got kicked out, and he says, well, I guess I'm stuck with the velvet fog. So tell me, is Frank Costanza still living with George and sleeping in his bed? Why? Why do you ask? Because now Jerry's going to stay there, too. Jerry, George doesn't even have a couch. He gave the Poppy P couch to Mr. Pitt's building. He has yeah. his dad sleeping in bed with him, and now Jerry's going to move in too. No, I, I think that that uh, that's that's a one episode only thing. I don't think Frank is still staying at George. Well, where is he? I think he's back with Estelle. Oh uh, well, let's see what happens where he is the next time he shows up. But where's Jerry going to stay? At, is Jerry going to sleep in the bed also? How do we know that George didn't get a new couch? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, the whole purpose of him getting rid of the couch was so 
Frank couldn't stay there anymore. As soon as Frank leaves, he goes and buys a new couch. Yeah, I think the second Frank leaves, he goes, you know, he's got to have a couch. Let's follow this. Ladies love the couch. The next time we see uh, Frank Costanza and the next time we see George's apartment, what couch is there? Yeah, I feel like women are, are like scared away. It's, you know, it's like too fratty if you don't have a couch. <laughs> Yeah. The, the Harris Whittles, the late great Harris Whittles, uh, his his Tinder profile was uh, I'm rich. I'll buy you a couch. Wow. <laughs> and someone said, why? And he's like, women love couches. OK, just the couch. No other furniture. No, he'll buy you a couch. OK. All right. So then we go back to Elaine with the executive from Viking and he's giving her an accounting of what went on at the Plaza Hotel. And uh, that includes three hours of massage time, 12 in-room movies, including several adult features, five shoe shines, and $400 worth of snacks, not to mention the damage to the room. It was Nana, like Nana's hanging around while he's, while Morty's getting adult movies. Is See, it Leo when everyone's out? Well, I, yeah, I think that the adult movies based on the tag at the end of the episode was Leo. Leo's watching porn in the hotel room, maybe even when everybody goes to sleep. Yeah, maybe. But and then like because Nan has got to be sleeping. I don't know if she's going out and hanging out in the city. Right. Because I think that there's only one bed. And so I feel like that eventually Morty and Helen are retiring to the bed. Maybe Nana is even going home or passed out in the chair. Uh, Leo. She's going back to the old age home. But yeah, I guess that's home. Right. And Leo, I think, is probably getting the couch here in this scenario. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And then when Morty and Helen are sleeping, Leo's ordering uh, the adult films on the Plaza pay-per-view system. What a sleazeball. Yeah. Well, we'll see more of that at the end of the episode. But uh, so Elaine's trying to say, no, you don't understand. My friend had fleas. Elaine doesn't have a good excuse here about any of this. No, the story sounds funny, but uh, ultimately, like, she is very, you know, this is not one of these like unlucky sitcom things. This is a well-deserved firing. Yes, yes. We're not getting the jobbing. Yeah. Elaine doesn't seem that mad at the time. Like we don't see like her rip Morty Seinfeld a new one of like I No, I had feel like yeah, that should have happened. A yeah. job. You ruined it. You completely like destroyed my life. Like right. I have Even to if work. she blames Jerry. Even if it's like Jerry, your family, like they screwed me over here. Like Elaine really does nothing wrong here other than she didn't read the manuscript and lied on a job interview. I guess that's kind of a big deal. But she should have gotten a job. And I mean, I think that the show leads us to believe that Elaine would be qualified for this position now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely qualified. And she totally just gets screwed over by the utter horribleness of the Seinfelds in terms of what they do to that hotel room. Yeah. Uh, and not a lot of apologies going on either. No, not at all. And you would think that at least like uh, Helen Seinfeld, who seems to be a redeeming character, she doesn't even really try to make this right for Elaine that we see. Um, no, the, the, no remorse from these monsters. <laughs> the executive says, I think you've been reading one too many Billy Mumphrey stories. <laughs> yeah, is that a, we didn't know it was a series of Billy Mumphrey books. <laughs> all right. So... George is finishing up a Mackinac peach. I don't know where he got a peach from. Was it from Newman? I think you would just buy them at the store. They, they get shipped in from Oregon for these two weeks. Yeah, but I felt like that they were getting them shipped in special Newman and, and Kramer. So you think George got one of them? And I don't know about that. I feel like there's another. You Maybe Bob Sacamano has a hookup or something. I feel like there's a way to get them. Yeah, anyway, so George says, this is fantastic. If you ever had a Mackinac peach and she loves those, and too bad it's all gone. And she takes the pit and 
puts the pit in her mouth, and George is horrified. Keeve. Yes. Who cares? Who cares about the Nobody. Pit? Nobody should care. Even a tier two germy like yourself does not care. Even I would say, okay, here is a super attractive woman who is into these midday trysts, doesn't even care what George looks like. Why dump her over this? Why would George Costanza, of all people, if it was Jerry, okay, maybe I'm buying it. Why is George dumping her over this? At the end of the day, George Costanza is a really self-defeating guy. He likes, deep down, he's like a Mets fan. Like He likes the fact that ultimately he's going to lose. Now, first off, I don't like the fact that the Mets are going to lose. No, I, I but ultimately that's kind of that's of our it. current identity. That's your identity. Yeah, um, but I don't like that. I mean, uh, I'm a Mets fan. I would not reject a woman who was eating a peach pit. Yeah, but oh, I think George just he he can't handle success. There are people who need to ultimately you know blow up when you know the things that are going well when things are are you know like looking looking up. And I feel like that's George that. If things are getting too good, he almost like has a panic attack and screws things up. Like I did not remember how this was going to work out where, you know, we're sort of like, you know, 20 minutes into this episode. And I'm like, how, how does, does this woman just go away? What's going on with George? And then when I remembered like this is how it ends, I was like, oh, that's really unsatisfying to me in terms of why this relationship doesn't work. I mean, George is like Jerry, I guess. He's grossed out by the peaches. He ate an eclair out of the garbage, Akiva. Yeah, it's true. But unless, but he has higher standards for other people than himself. Do as he says, he not as he does. He ate an eclair that had a bite out of it, out of the garbage. Yes, in a stranger's house. I think also that uh, ultimately this relationship was not long for the, you know, it wasn't going to last long because Paula would not have put up with the fact that he was being like incredibly mean to her. Mm-hmm. I feel like she would have. She would have ditched him pretty quick. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I don't know why that George would break up with her. Does he have that many options right now? No, he's a Yankees executive. He's, he's at, you know, his, in his mind, the stock's at an all-time high. Hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't get the, uh, the whole thing. Maybe if, like, we could have done where she has fleas. I, there's, there's so many other things that we could have done here where George breaks up with her. I, I could see him breaking up with her if she had fleas. Yeah, that would make sense. I'm not sure how she gets the fleas. I don't know if she is like Newman is Newman is in the drawing class also, and she got the fleas from Newman. Newman is the naked model that they have to draw. In the Ooh, class. that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah, and then he puts his clothes down on her bag or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, I don't get that. I, I that that is still upset me that he dumped her. Or over Buford the is her dog. What about that? Okay, I'm fine. Fine. As long as it's not he breaks up with her because she ate the pit of his peach. You know, she's not licking a toilet seat. It's yeah, <laughs> it's true. I feel like we need it's stronger, his peach. Like, it, it was a stranger. If it was Newman's peach pit, okay, dump her. It was his peach pit that he was just eating. It's like yeah. a sign of endearment to me. It's almost like wow, this woman is willing to just eat a, a peach pit that I just had in my mouth. That. Yeah, also, uh, Peach Pit sounds like a club that they would go to on Saved by the Bell. No, that's Beverly Hills 90210. That's the Peach Pit? Yeah, that's where they used to go to. Oh, okay. That's so I, I didn't, I, it, in my head, I made it up, but apparently I've, <laughs> yeah. even though I've never seen that show, I've heard it's that. It's subliminally in your head. Anyway, wow. so that we end up seeing then in the tag that Kramer 
is out on the street with Newman and he his taste is back. He can go eat a peach. He spots Newman and Newman just ate the last peach and he says to Kramer, do you want to suck the pit? And apparently that's a thing, uh, sucking somebody's pit. So Kramer ends up seeing the dog chained up on the street and says, hey, look, it's the mailman. You remember the mailman, don't you? And Kramer unchains the dog who chases after Newman. And again, what a horrible person. What This is one of the worst things anybody has ever done on the show. Obviously, yeah, totally. I this agree. Is somebody's so- dog. <laughs> uh, either the dog is going to bite Newman and send Newman to the hospital, or the other outcome is this dog is hit by a car. Yeah, this is insane. It's so out of character for Kramer. He just ate a peach. It's not even Kramer's fault. Right. Like, Kramer, it's not like Newman forced him to have the peaches. Like, right. Kramer gave away the peaches because he couldn't taste them. Um, Also, sicking a dog on someone is such, like, 80s or, like, early 90s sitcom humor. Mm -hmm. Like, now you never see a show where someone sicks a dog on another person. I guess because, like, we love dogs so much now in this country. Like, they can't be the villain ever, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Except for maybe your dog. But I think... I think that, uh, you know, you don't see that anymore. This hey, sick them, sick them. I don't even know if dogs do that. I think they're over it. Yeah. So either but, um, Newman will get horrible bites from the dog. The dog will probably have to get put down after he bites Newman or the dog gets hit by a car. There is no happy ending for the dog. And new all Newman did was eat the peaches that he that Kramer said he could have because he couldn't taste anything. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's insane. Uh, and then I said that that was the tag. The actual tag of the episode is that Elaine comes up to the Plaza Hotel, I guess, looking to finally give the Seinfelds a piece of her mind. And Leo says to Elaine when he sees her, oh, they said that they were sending over an Asian woman. Yes. <laughs> wow. Leo. How about that? Yeah. Listen, he's uh, I don't know where they were, where Nana and uh, Morty and Helen were, but. He's really taking advantage. And how do they still have access to this room? Uh, like, you're lucky that Viking didn't call the police after you ran up this yeah. thousands of dollar bill. Right. You know, how, how does Leo still have access to the plaza room? It's insane. And then finally, now, when I stayed at the plaza hotel in 2003, I they did, didn't let you specify uh, ladies by uh, ethnicity. by then, Right. I don't think. Right. <laughs> what kind of an operation is this where you can order a prostitute? I, I get me now. Maybe, it could be some sort of masseuse. Right. It could be some sort of a masseuse. And Leo is, uh, you know, trying to pull something funny and ask them to send an Asian masseuse to the room. But I think that the the bit. Is supposed we're supposed to presume that Leo has ordered a prostitute, no? Of some kind, maybe one of those like uh, masseuses with uh, an option for more. <laughs> that was like right. very in vogue, probably but, in the nineties. So, are, are we to presume that this is through the hotel, or that Leo is no. paying for this out of his own money? I, I think <laughs> I don't think he's putting this on the Viking card. Okay, so Leo has uh, called some sort of an escort service with his own money. And told them where he's going to be. I mean, he was probably going to stiff her, you know, the Whoa. the way that uh, the, the the chickless did in you know a hundred a <laughs> hundred episodes ago. But yeah, I do think uh, I do think that she thought that Leo was going to pay her. Well, if that's the case, though, then why why does Leo need to be in the plaza to hire an escort? Couldn't he it's just do it at his house? Right? Does he have a roommate? Does he have a, I, I guess I is think, Leo married? I don't think his son lives with him. I, I mean, we, I know he talked about his wife, but is that canon? 
I don't think it's canon that Leo is a wife. Is no. there a Mrs. Uncle Leo at home, and that's why he's on the road? There was, but I think she's long gone. Um, maybe it's one of these things where they never got divorced, but they've been separated for like 30 years. That's why he referred to mm-hmm. her. So maybe let's um, just say, let's give Leo the benefit of the doubt that they, he still thinks that they have access to the room. Elaine went right over from there. They haven't kicked them out of the room yet. He ordered some sort of a spa service massage in the room and rudely asked for an Asian masseuse thinking that uh, after he was so inspired by the erotic films that he watched on the on the uh, pay-per-view and that he's got the wrong impression. Yeah, it's uh, just the very idea that he would have any access to the room just is baffling. I don't know. Right. Viking is really running a very loose ship. Like a lot of publishing companies in the nineties. Well, hey, look, hey, the, the, what's what's a Kindle? What's a, what's an iPad? Oh, it's a, it's a, you know uh, fast times for the publishing industry. It's true. There's a reason why Viking doesn't. Exist what's Amazon dot com? Forget that. We're just uh, yeah, they're not competitors. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. They could pay out the nose for all these books. Yeah, I, I think there's a reason Viking went out of business, and it's because <laughs> they just the very idea that they have this room for someone who's interviewing is insane right right so the excess of the publishing industry the underreported story because the publishing industry they own the books they, they they're stopping that story from being written yeah i mean uh you know any, anything with the name viking in it is generally a loser <laughs> yeah well did you hear about the uh viking publishing uh sex boat uh scandals that they used to have was that a, was that like a, a coffee table book? Well, no, they used to like uh, Viking publishing. It was very it was a famous story back in, like in the early two thousands that they had like these uh, like these lavish uh, you know sex boat exploits. That it was really a whole big scandal. Was Mister Mandel from this episode involved? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Him it, was him. it was him and Bryant McKinney. Yeah, Mike Tice. I think uh, Dante Culpepper. I think that uh, everybody was there. I don't think Mike Tice was on the boat. That would be pretty nuts. <laughs> Well, he was, he had that, that's why he had that pencil. So he could uh, be oh, writing. We're going to get the longest email from Chester <laughs> like explaining who was on the boat, where, the, what they did, who they were with, where they were sitting. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's uh, grade out this episode in terms of the doodle. We didn't love the name. It was a pretty forgettable episode for me in the first run. Um, let, let's, let's grade it out. Uh, so George with the woman who drew the doodle. What was his storyline? You know, it's a really interesting sort of like original storyline. Just this idea that she doesn't think he's attractive. I do think there's some like interesting real world discussions, which we did have. Uh, There's no like one killer line, but I'll give this an A minus. I think it was an interesting storyline. Yeah, Uh, I'd say it's a B. It started with the doodle. Didn't really go anywhere. I think that him coming in in the velvet jumpsuit is pretty great. But I hate that he breaks up with her over the uh, the peach pit. Uh, Jerry gets uh, fumigated. And he has the fleas. He doesn't want to brush his teeth. Yeah, uh, Jerry's, you know, I don't love the the toothbrush scene. And Jerry's portion of the fumigation is nothing special. So I'll give it a C plus. Yeah, it's probably a B minus. Uh, I feel like that's sort of memorable where he doesn't want to use her toothbrush. But uh, nothing to write home about. Uh, what about Kramer with uh, the peaches and the fumigation? Um, yeah, I think it's a very small part, but I like it. Um, so I'll, I'll give Kramer a B plus. I yeah. think uh, there's not a ton to do, but he, you know, it is the idea that he was in there for an hour and a half is funny. Yeah, 
Uh, very funny, I think, that the physical comedy when he walks out of the room. I like the line that he says about the fumigation. Jerry says, didn't you notice the sign on the door? He's like, I thought that was just so if you were bringing a woman home that you didn't want your parents yeah. to walk in. <laughs> but it doesn't stop Kramer from walking in. No, of course yeah. not. Uh, so very funny. Uh, I'll say, you know, um, I'm right there, uh, B plus as well. And then finally, Elaine with trying to get the job at Viking. Um, Elaine, this is probably the most Elaine-centric episode we've had in a long time, maybe ever. Like, she really is the A story here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, she's got a lot of different things going on. I really like her running in and out a couple times. I feel like it rings true to life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, the interview itself is just okay. Uh, I, I like the scene in the in the new school art class more than you did. I'm going to give Elaine an A-. minus. Okay. I think it's probably more of a B uh, for me. In terms of uh, what was going on uh, with Elaine, I, I feel like that her story really doesn't have an ending for her other than just like, oh, yeah, the Seinfelds ran up a big hotel bill. So you don't get to go. Uh, you don't get to get this job. Yeah. Maybe this is one of those episodes where we could have gotten a few more minutes would have helped. Yeah. All right. They were trying to juggle like there are, you know, a few real storylines in the air. I feel like they were trying to juggle a lot here. Yeah. I think that the the fleece stuff really is the story that you could cut. I mean, I feel like that Jerry already has something going on with the woman with the you know that with the toothbrush and the woman that wants to he's going to break up with because of the pecans. That the you didn't need a Newman storyline in this story. I know you needed a reason to get the Seinfelds out of the house, but maybe you could have figured out some other reason why they needed to stay there. Maybe it was like that jerry's girlfriend needed a place to stay and he overbooked his apartment where she was going to stay with him and uh you know you could have come up with some other reason that the seinfeld needed to go stay in the plaza all right that's fair okay all right so where does this land for you in your final rankings i was thinking like i definitely laughed a bunch of times there's no real dud in this episode i was thinking it's just about an average episode but looking at the deleted scene i do think that the ending really doesn't make a ton of sense even the fact that they know the name of the dog isn't explained at all in the show it's explained in the deleted scene so i feel like this is the first time they were really guilty of uh deleting a scene that shouldn't have been deleted mm. um so i'm gonna knock it down from average to slightly below average and it's at 104 104 okay no, no qualms about uh where it lands uh let's get into our emails of course seinfeld at post show recaps is where you can email the show every single week. And uh, always great to get your email questions in before we get to our recap, which we record kind of early in the week. I was just telling Keev before we came on, in the summer, I'd like to try to move it to later on in the week so we can get to more of your questions by the time we actually record. Yeah, because sometimes people send in like 10 minutes after we finish recording. I know, I know. That happened to Jessica last week with Jimmy. Yeah, it happens. But yeah. hopefully, maybe we'll go later in the week once uh, once uh, Survivor ends. Okay. All right. So uh, let's uh, start off. Johnny D. Silvera writes in. He wants to know, how did the showrunners manage to screw up Newman's apartment being 5F instead of the normal 5E for just one episode? Uh, yeah, I didn't catch that, but a bunch of people did. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they just used the wrong door. Is it possible that Newman was up to something that there was like some bill collector that was coming to 5E and so he switched his uh, letter to 5F? That's actually a pretty uh, <laughs> interesting idea. I could see him do that. It's like someone who like switches the street signs. Right. He was going to get served with like divorce paper. So he had to ultimately. Well, is uh, Newman married? <laughs> maybe. 
Uh, that's a good. Yeah, I, I like that theory that he switched <laughs> the letters and and like no one you, you could take a year before you notice like you don't check like hey is that my door say an eight or a nine like you just know what it is after a while yeah okay what else do we get uh, Lindsay wants to know she says Jerry's revulsion about the pecans and the toothbrush reminded me of an argument my partner and I have had several times about using your spouse's toothbrush he accidentally used mine once and I was horrified but he didn't think it was a big deal because as George points out we've kissed before. Never, nonetheless, I think it's gross. We've brought it up with other people since and haven't gotten a consistent response. Usually wives think it's gross and husbands don't. Mm-hmm. So I ask you two, is either situation as bad as Jerry and I think? I know Rob isn't a drink share. He's a level two Jeremy. But would either of you be grossed out about someone eating something that was in your wife's mouth or discovering that she'd used your toothbrush rather than use hers? Well, I'm already on record as saying I've used her toothbrush and I could care less if she's using mine, which she would never do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, I don't care. Like if she ate something... No, she always like my son will take one bite of an apple. He won't like it. And she'll always pawn it off on me. <laughs> sure. They, um, all my kids know if they eat, if they try a food and they don't like it, I'm like a human garbage disposal. I'll yeah. finish it. I think that may be the better example because the pecan thing is just so weird. Like who sucks on a pecan and then puts it in a plate? Oh, yeah. But the, right. I wouldn't even eat a regular pecan that wasn't an ABC pecan. Right. So hypothetically, if my wife was eating like a lifesaver. And, you know, for whatever reason, there was only one lifesaver and I was like desperate for a lifesaver. I would, you know, I I would not be uh, revolted at the idea of taking the lifesaver that my wife had been eating. What about gum? Um, it wouldn't be high on my list. But it wouldn't be the end of the world either. Right. If you told me you were going to give me five dollars to do it, I'd probably do it. (laughs) All right. Everyone knows Rob's an easy mark. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do it for just for the sake of like, uh, like, oh, you're done with that gum. Can I have it? But for five bucks, you'd, you'd you know, you'd uh, get rid of all your, uh, you know, your tier two Jeremy principles. Yeah. All right. Craig writes in and he says, just to confirm this, there is no such thing as a Mackinac peach. In actuality, a Mackinac is a fish. So it's an odd choice to name a fruit. Why did Seinfeld have to make up a fruit? I don't know. I feel like how would you know peach names back then? You like go in some sort of like pe- fruit thesaurus. You have to like go to the library. I don't know how anybody knew anything before, uh, you know, the the like internet and Google and stuff. I'm not right. sure how we knew stuff. Nowadays, you just have a writer's assistant that would be sitting there with a laptop open. Okay, what's a seasonal fruit? Okay, good. I guess in 1995, you didn't have like Lexus Nexus on set where you're going to be able to research this. You're not going to waste somebody's time, send them to the library to go research a fruit. So they just made something up. Nobody has to fact check it, and it's on TV. Yeah, until Craig comes along. Until Craig comes along. That's right. Also, Craig says that Jerry must have been really excited that Dana Wheeler Nicholson was playing his girlfriend, considering her grandfather, Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson, was the founder of DC Comics and hired the writers who would eventually create Superman. Robert, are you team DC or team Marvel? And uh, question B, what does that mean? <laughs> that you don't know the answer? No, I have no idea. I just hear people talking about it. <laughs> well, I think that DC is one brand of superhero comics. But I don't know like who has Superman, who has Spider-Man, who has Batman, who has Robert Downey Jr. Okay, well, that um so Superman, Batman, uh that's all DC. Marvel is part of uh Spider-Man. I be- I believe I have that correct. Um and that, that's like the X-Men is also Marvel, and so is the Avengers. So really, DC is like, uh, I believe it's like the Super Friends, if you ever watch that. That's like Wonder Woman, no. Superman, Batman, Aquaman. That's all DC. Oh, okay, Vinny Chase. <laughs> right. 
Right. Okay. I, thought I, I don't really have a horse in the race. Track. You know, I'm sort of I'm sort of agnostic. But I was probably I didn't even know the race was going on until like two weeks ago. Yeah, growing up, I probably didn't have much of an awareness of uh, of too many of the Marvel things. I was much more had an awareness of the DC stuff. So I guess that as I would say, probably DC. If you had a gun to my head, but I really am, you know, I, I could. Hopefully, uh, no one has a gun to your head about which comic book company you like. Yeah, some sort of uh, villain might might the Joker maybe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> also Joker's DC. Yeah, he's part of the Batman world. Okay. You think they would have trades? I would like to see trades between like uh, Marvel and DC. That would, be that would get me interested in these comic book movies. We trade like the Joker for Aquaman. I believe they're sort of like the Jets and Giants. And even if it made sense for both parties that they're not going to make a trade. Well, I think the Jets and Giants might trade. The Jets and the Patriots would never trade. Hmm, that's true. <laughs> that's true. The Jets but... and the Giants have traded. I think uh, Jets, Pats, like they don't even have each other's numbers. Like they do not. <laughs> Even in the draft, when it's sort of like neutral, they're not calling it like, hey, do you want to swap? They, act, they literally will not speak. Okay. Yeah, Craig writes in, uh, Krista Miller, who plays George's girlfriend in the episode, uh, and it's also worth mentioning that Krista Miller was played Sid Farkas's boss, Paula, was Sid Farkas's boss in, uh, in a previous episode and, you know, and demanded that George not get hired. Wow. <laughs> so that she played a totally different character and now she's coming back here and ex- they're expecting us not to know anything now george anyway, has cr- hand and says uh you ate a peach i'm breaking up with you yeah it's odd that it didn't come up that they had this horrible interaction <laughs> where george just walks over and touches her uh, and you know and, and checks out the fabric or whatever he did and, well maybe and that's why she said to him like i don't even care if you wear velvet because uh, he already grabbed her shirt and said like hey what fabric is this yeah and also she is a clothes salesman right she's a bra salesman so she's just Probably used to people walking around all day in, in just like their underwear. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it's supposed right, to be so, the same person. I don't think so. <laughs> it's not I, supposed I think to be lazy. the same person. They probably didn't even realize that she was on. <laughs> yeah. They uh, so a nice story from Craig. He says, uh, Krista Miller, who I think most famously was on Scrubs. She's uh, married to Bill Lawrence, who made Scrubs and I think Cougar Town and a lot of shows like that. Um, she says, uh, Krista Miller was a finalist for a TV pilot in 1995 on ABC. She was losing ground because the execs thought that she didn't have an ex- experience for the role. The doodle was going to be her biggest, uh, her biggest credit to date, but the episode wasn't going to air until they had to make the, the pilot casting decision because this episode airs in April. Uh, so the producers wanted to see the episode to see how she would, you know, how much time she had and everything. So Krista Miller contacts Larry David and says, can, we get, can I have a copy of the episode to show the ABC execs? And at the time, networks used to get early copies, but they would take them very seriously, especially a show like Seinfeld. Uh, you know, what wasn't exactly handing out screeners. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no uh, Alan Seppenwalls out there rating, you know, reviewing the shows ahead of time. Okay. So he says, despite this, even though it was a great risk to the show, Larry David sneaks a copy to Krista Miller so she can show the ABC executives. The episode was enough to assuage their concerns. That's my big word, not his, about her lack of experience. And then she gets the role. Uh, that show ends up being the Drew Carey show, uh, which Krista Miller was on for seven seasons. I didn't realize that. And it launched her acting career. So it shows that despite the characters he plays, Craig says Larry David is a great person and goes to uh, depths to help people when they need it. Oh, nice story. Yeah, that's a nice story. Good for LD. Good for Krista yeah, Miller. Chris, uh, she's the big winner because her husband probably makes tons of money because uh, <laughs> he has like 10 shows on the air. Okay. All right. And then finally, Chester writes in 
And boy, uh, we got to make sure we uh, we get to Chester's email, or 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 he'll uh, write about uh, other Seinfeld podcasts better than this one. Yeah, that's true. Chester will. Uh, I, I said, uh, you know, a heel turn is uh, scorched. If he wasn't already a heel character. He would. He would. It's not beneath him. He says. Doesn't the behavior of the Seinfeld at the plaza seem out of character? George might act that way if he had the opportunity. And Uncle Leo's presence is totally understandable. But Morty, Helen, Nana, I'm with you on this, Chester. Yeah, we're on Team Chester here. We agree. Okay. Also, he says, this is a minor point, but the street sets they use in Seinfeld are terrible. No avenue on the Upper West Side has sidewalks that narrow. The only possible avenue that it could be is Lexington, but they are on the Upper West Side, not the Upper East Side. All right, Chester. I, I, it is funny. Like, first of all, he used to write in, and you wouldn't know what the UWS is. But I guess he's written so many times that it's sort of like uh, just been imprinted in your brain. Yes, uh, Chester, you're the only person on earth who noticed this. But you should—he really should have been. Could you imagine like a 13-year-old Chester on set being like the New York City expert? I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he's never been there. He's just like seen pictures and maps, <laughs> but he's still like telling them like. Uh, Lexington Avenue needs to be four by eight feet wide. It, it, this, you know, it has a cracked uh, sidewalk on uh, 87th and 88th. Hey, they, we're making so much money. They could have had Chester on the payroll. Nobody would have known. Yeah, he would have worked for free. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, then more important fundamental question. Based on her resume and employment record, Elaine clearly lives in New York. How is she going to explain this to Viking when they asked uh, why she had to be put up? She's so desperate to get this job. And now she's going to risk it all for a silly George-esque scam at a fancy hotel. And why would a company get the fanciest suite that exists at the plaza for some mid-level reader that they're considering hiring? Okay. Yeah, that's bananas. It's a good question. I thought that the Viking just like had that room no matter what and sort of. I think they do. I think they, which is also crazy because that's like millions of dollars a year probably. Probably. like Like the fanciest suite at the plaza is like where like the president of like Germany would stay when they would come, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's like a UN type of thing where they're like fighting to stay there. Probably like the president of the United States might stay there if he comes to New York. Right. I would say in terms of Elaine and her work experience on her resume, I think what she could say is, Oh sure. I've been a lifelong New Yorker, but after things uh, didn't work out with pendant, then I went down to uh, Del Boca Vista and I was living there with my parents for a couple of months while I was working on my manuscript or something like that. So she could say, I lived in New York, but I, you know, I'm in Florida temporarily and I don't have an apartment in the city right now. Still, it's a pretty tough squeeze. Sometimes with a big company, the right hand doesn't talk to the left and you could probably get away with it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty big risk. You know, my last five jobs were in New York and my address says New York. You know, I guess she lied about her address, but like it's just totally insane and she's going to get busted within two weeks of working there. But you would think that they would pay for her flight if they were going to like, oh, we'll put you up in the city. Obviously, you live in Florida. You think they'd pay for her flight? Maybe she's like, oh, I was going to be there anyway. I think she's just hoping that HR doesn't talk to the interviewer. And she gave it all away for the Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, but there was the plan for Elaine was horrible. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if you rent it, like, if you give out, like, if I, even if I give you, like, let's say I gave you my Jets tickets, right? Okay. I, I would say to you, like, not to you, because you're, you're a well-behaved man. But, like, if I gave it to some, like, dumb friends of mine, I'd be like, don't get really drunk and get into a fight because they'll take away my season tickets. I'll, you know, I'll lose them or I'll have to, you know, you'll get fined or whatever, you know. You know to, like, not give it to the wrong people. But I guess you could argue that Morty and Helen, there's no reason to think they were going to act like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think so. All right. 
Uh, and Keith, we haven't read any of our iTunes reviews in a while. And since this was not a two-hour recap today, I figured uh, let's go into the mailbag and check out some of our iTunes reviews. Anyway, uh, no Billy Mumphrey comparisons yet at this point, but you could leave us a review at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes or search for the Seinfeld Post Show Recap on iTunes. And uh, did you see I sent you on Twitter, Keith? We were like in the top 40 in TV and film. Yeah, very exciting. We're, we're really I think it's all the Game of Thrones SEO stuff, but <laughs> it's working. Maybe. Uh, Elaine, I mean, he really brought, Scott just put in the title of this episode, the doodle uh, in parentheses, not about Game of Thrones. <laughs> and let's see how it goes. OK, yeah. so I, I included. A, so this is uh, a review. I accidentally when I was searching for the Seinfeld reviews, I hit on first the post show recap reviews. And we have some Seinfeld reviews in post show recaps. Oh, and I feel like these people now have to go back and uh, give us a, a, a second review in or at least a second rating in uh, Seinfeld. So this uh, is. S.J. Lemley writes in on Post Show Recap, so uh, thanks, but no thanks. you got to write in on Seinfeld, S.J. Lemley. He says, uh, as usual, I was enjoying the banter between my two favorite snarky co-hosts when all of a sudden the bomb is dropped. Rob and Akiva have only know each- known each other since the inception of the Seinfeld podcast. My reaction was nothing short of Steinbrenner's dismay when he found out that George had been moon- moonlighting as a hen supervisor for Tyler Chicken. I was blown away. Anyway, I really like the pie, the podcast. I give it five Tyler chickens. That's a great uh, review, and he gives us five <laughs> stars. But SJ, what if you copied and pasted that over onto the old uh, <laughs> Seinfeld thing? Because we're really, you know, we're very close to post show recaps and ratings. What if we that see? I always talk about like getting into like a flame war with another podcast. You want to get it but the same? Podcast? What if we got into a flame war with post show recaps? A different department. So we're on. Right. <laughs> we're on. We're like we're you know the one of two weekly podcasts on Postal Recaps. So we're you know we produce as much content as as pretty much anybody. Um, but so we're it's like Inception. We're like we're feuding with ourselves. Interesting. But uh, either way, we can't we can't lose because we're on both. Yeah. Well, you should uh, feud with the Postal Recaps Twitter account. Is that what we should do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who is. See, I don't. Is the Post Show Recaps Twitter account you or no? Is it, it is not me. It's not me. Okay. Zach Brooks. Right, so I don't Zach know who Brooks. it is. It's a secret. All right, I'm going to start like a Twitter flame war with that person. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get blocked. I've still never been blocked on Twitter because no. I got my sister unblocked me. Yeah, don't block. <laughs> don't block Keith. Okay. Uh, this is a review from Hender Tucky John. Now, Keith, is this from the post show recaps or from yeah, the Seinfeld? No, these, these one, the next two are Seinfeld. Okay. I missed two and a half years of Seinfeld episodes when I was in the Peace Corps in the early 90s, and this is a great way to catch up on those missed episodes without watching Seinfeld, although this podcast takes longer to listen to than just watching an episode of Seinfeld. Yes, well, that is part of the problem. Uh, part of the problem? Well, part of the, part of the issue, uh, if you were just like, I guess you could just like rip the audio from Seinfeld and listen to that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, he should also watch the show. I'm honored that, uh, you know, and this may be a joke because it may be like a Jay Peterman thing. He's talking about the Peace Corps. But, um, you know, I am honored that he doesn't watch a show and he only listens to the podcast, but... You know, I was thinking like if it's too much time, you could listen on not just double speed. You could listen on like quadruple speed. Uh, and I was thinking like that's still lo- the podcast would still on like five speed be longer than an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, I have recently started listening to some podcasts on 2X. Oh, you have to. You're wasting time if you don't listen on 2X. Yeah. When I, we started podcasting, I like, oh, I've never heard your voice on regular speed before. <laughs> I thought you were much quicker. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that, you know, I, I will mostly listen to things at one and a quarter 
I feel like that my how much I like the show is like how much like if I really like oh I really want to hear this I'll go you know regular speed and I then, hear what you're saying but I think unless it's music related I just think like you could always there's always more time in the day there's always more podcasts to listen to I think there's never a good reason to listen on one X the first time like one time I accidentally like hit down from two X to half X to just to one X not to half X on uh, the, on what was then the Bill the BS report on Bill Simmons mm-hmm. podcast. And I really like, oh, my gosh, I think he had a stroke because, <laughs> you know, I'd never heard him speak on, you know, or yeah. at least, you know, for years on less than two X. But um, anyway, I, I highly recommend two X even for uh, this podcast. But, you know, you could listen twice if you really love it that much, but still listen on two X. I recommend one point two five. I think that that's probably, you know, you're at least saving well, 2X a little doesn't, time. Isn't literally double two X is two X is really like uh, with Chester will know the exact number, but it's like one point six or one point seven. It's not. You're not literally listening to a two-hour show in an hour on 2X. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that 2X is sort of like really pushing it in terms of what I can comprehend that they're saying at that time. I don't know. I listen I listen to a lot of your podcasts. I can understand what you're saying on 2X. Yeah. Well, but maybe I'm a perfect person for 2X because I have to talk slow so I can think of something funny to say. Mm. <laughs> we should, we should talk a little slower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Then also, finally, uh, one other review from Vince Ham, who says, uh, I've seen all the Seinfeld episodes countless times, but not in chronological order until I started listening to the podcast. This is a great way to get deeper into the well-worn series and discover even more running jokes that you only notice when you're watching in order. Rob always does an amusing job with his many podcasts, and Akiva is appealing in a self-loathing nerd kind of way. Thank you, Vince. (laughs) Wow. I thought we were done with that stuff. Well, this was from uh, May 6th, so uh, he brought it back uh, a few days ago. It's back in. It's back. Okay. All right. Keith, what's the hashtag here today? I, but I, I will say I said something like this week because my wife ultimately voted no on the nerd. Mm-hmm. But then I said something this week and she's like, uh, can I go come back on the podcast then uh, and redo my vote? Yes. I forget <laughs> what it was, but it was it was like especially nerdy. Maybe she heard through the uh, door when I was ranking like uh, – my 100 favorite TV shows. Like in the fourth hour of that podcast, I think she got pretty in. <laughs> of course, uh, you could hear that on the 32 Fans uh, podcast, which you could find on iTunes. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, spoiler alert, uh, Mazel Tov to uh, Seinfeld for being my number one show. Oh, wow. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. So what's the hashtag, Keeve? I've got uh, Nana Bieber. Okay. You know, I love the Biebs. Yeah. Uh, level 2 Jeremy. Yeah, I think that's it. What yeah. else you got? <laughs> uh, and I think that that's it. I think that I might have scribbled yeah, I something think, else. I, th- I think we said that enough. Level 2 Jeremy is, uh, is good to go. Okay. All right. So then what else is going on? We got uh, Mike Moore. Thank you for the recap. Of course, Scott St. Pierre. Thank you so much for the editing. Because uh, this is really a lot of work uh, for Scott. We really make a lot of mistakes. Tons. You should. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, basically all mistakes. We just take out the worst ones. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this we just, you know, drop this like huge slab of marble on Scott St. Pierre and he turns it into um, the Michelangelo. Yeah, he's the one of the Ninja Turtles and he just <laughs> rocks it. Yeah. OK. Uh, and what's coming up next week? Uh, next week, we got a big one. We have uh, the Fusilli Jerry. We have the debut of uh, Putty. Oh, and uh, we got Cosmo Kramer, the ass man. We got yeah. a lot going on. See, I'm surprised that you said that that's not an episode that you really remember. Well, because I love that episode. No, I didn't say remember it. I say I mean, you want the story now. I just I didn't watch it when it was on. Maybe it was like Passover or something. I didn't see it live. And then I just I kept missing it. I'm just talking about 95. I've seen it 100 times since. Million to one shot. I kept missing it on the on the rerun. You know, back then it was hard. Like there was no Netflix. 
mm-hmm. you'd have to wait, you know, it, it on demand. It wasn't syndicated until the next year, so it took me a really long time to see this episode. That's all I was saying. Okay. All right, so we will get to that next week. Looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com. And, of course, uh, we always appreciate your comments and star ratings on our iTunes page at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Talk to you next week, everybody. Take care. Bye.